Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing Word from God. God bless you. Amen. Well, it's great to, great to be back here. Feliz Año Nuevo. Happy New Year. It's, uh, man, it feels like forever since I was here last. Um, I did preach New Year's Day. I preached at our East Campus at El, C- El Cajon. I'm not sure if you remember El Cajun. I was about to go, oh, oh gosh. <laughs> Just leave it. It's all good. It can't fall any further. Um, and I'm not sure if you remember, but New Year's Day was pouring rain, pouring with rain. And so I was leaving, I was driving down uh, Second and Broadway, driving down Broadway. And you get on the 67 and then the 67 onto the 52. And there was a truck in the, in the left lane and it was already terrible visibility. And then, the, you know, the trucks throw up all that extra water. And I'm like, oh. And I could see there was a gap to get into the middle lane. So I thought I'm just going to accelerate in my Tesla to get in the middle lane. But as I accelerated and hit the middle lane, there was a big puddle in the middle lane. So as I hit that, instead of being able to turn straight, my car just aquaplaned. I did a 360, smashed into the medium barrier. Yeah, went into another like 270 or something and ended up back in the middle lane, didn't hit another vehicle, but my car was, uh, was all messed up. So that was like my, my New Year's Day. So I called Leanne, she was very, very grateful that I wasn't hurt and, uh, and then did ask, would I still be on time for having lunch with her? And I could not turn the, um, the emergency lights off. So I just drove, and I kept having people going, I'm like, I know my emergency, I don't know how to, I'm trying to, I just can't. Because apparently Tesla, if you have an accident, it sets off all these things. So I drove there with the emergency lights on, but I wasn't late for the lunch marker. Come on, that's a good thing. When, when that's, a, that, that's an eMERGE man, come on, see? That's an eMERGE man. I didn't, I didn't get to lunch late, so, so my car was smashed up, but I didn't get a beating. <laughs> every cloud, every cloud. Amen. Sorry, being naughty. All right, come with me in your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians. All the Ians are together. When you read your Bible, you'll find all the Ians are together. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians. Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, all the Ians are together. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You died, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. The title of my message today is The Greater Reset. The Greater Reset. Right now there's a bunch of global elitist reprobates, hypocrites, flying their Learjets into Davos, Switzerland to talk about how do we we master the future? We want to know how we master the future. You know what, why don't you just master your own lives and then 
you know, let us figure out the future. The, the, these people fly there on their Learjets and then putting policies together how you need to reduce your carbon footprint. It doesn't apply to them. They're elitist specialist people. They're planning that by 2030, you'll own nothing, have no freedom, but you'll be very happy. And when they say by 2030, you'll own nothing, uh, have no freedom and be very, very happy, they're also saying at the same time, if you listen, uh, which actually discourage, but uh, if you have to, uh, they're also saying, well, we're not sure if we actually need all of you. So, so they, they, will, they, they will because the planet apparently is overpopulated. Um, and if you, if you uh, never fly in a pl an airplane or drive a vehicle to another state, you'll actually believe their lies because they're trying to congregate everybody in cities so that your senses are overwhelmed. Like, oh yeah, actually, you know what? I had to line up five minutes just to get a Big Mac today. Wow, the, the world is overpopulated. But once you fly on a plane, you're looking like, man, there's more land and space than there is cities. And God said, be fruitful, multiply. Everything we're witnessing in the earth is a rage against God. God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, exercise dominion over the earth. These reprobates want to exercise dominion over you. God did not create man to be dominated by men. These elitists want to rule the world. They haven't fixed anything. In fact, everything they've touched, they've broken. They've broken economies. They're not helping people out of poverty. They're not, they're not transformed. There's not one where the World Economic Forum went in and now there's no more hunger or starvation or human trap. There's none of that. But apparently give them control over the whole world and then things will be better. You want to stay away from these people. It's an antichrist spirit. It began with Nimrod and it's there today in Davos. And the reason that we, we, we preach against it is because I see the antichrist spirit operating in them and I want to call it out so that you are not caught unaware. Somebody say amen. All right. So in saying all of that, you don't need a great reset. You can have an even greater reset because the Bible there talked about setting your hearts and the Bible there talked about setting your minds. So I want to talk to you about 2023, a greater reset. Now, uh, Pastor Mike Yeager is a phenomenal yachtsman. He is a great, great sailor. And he will tell you that one of the keys is setting the sails. You set the sails to maximize catching the wind. He'll talk about even the instruments. They will set the instruments to maximize. They'll chart their journey. Before you, before you, you know, move away from your moorings or, or set out from the dock, all the instruments, everything is set before you head out. When you're getting on a Southwest Airlines flight, you'll find that you get in, they welcome you, but you'll notice that the, the cockpit cabin door is open. You'll notice the pilots are already in there and they're, they're going through a, a number of different procedures and processes because what they are doing is they are setting the course. They are making sure and that the instruments will tell them whether they've got enough fuel. The instruments will also tell them that, hey, you know, this direct... Uh, this direct course is gonna fly into some turbulence, there's some storms, here are some other you know, options or 
you know, di different options that you can have to get around the storm. So they begin to set the aircraft to go there. We set our watches in spring. We set our watches an hour forward in fall. We set our watches an hour back. We get an extra hour sleep. This morning I set my alarm clocks. It didn't matter how well or unwell I slept last night. My alarm clock was going to make sure that I was up this morning, able to shower, able to pray, able to get dressed, able to be here on time. We set things. The Bible teaches us that we can set our minds. The Bible teaches us we can set our hearts and the Bible teaches us that we can set our eyes. So the, my three points this morning are exactly those three because if you said to me, hey, pastor, how do I make 2023 the greatest year of my life different to all the other years? We just had prophetic Sunday last Sunday with Rex Crane, who I believe wrecked the place when he was here. He is awesome. I love him, but I want you to know that following all of Vision Sunday and Freedom Sunday and Prophetic Sunday is right now Reset Sunday. I want you to set three things. So come on, the first one is I want you to set your hearts. Set your hearts. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it spring the issues of life. Another translation says that the, the heart is the wellspring of life. The condition of your heart determines the quality of your life. The condition of your heart determines the quality of your life. So you can set your heart. I've made a decision. I'm setting in my heart Christ as Lord. The Bible even says, set Christ as Lord in your hearts. Make a decision that, that Jesus has the first say and he also has the final say. The Bible says that He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Aleph and the Taf. He's the beginning and the end. So that means that Jesus should have the first say and then He should have the final say. The reason He needs to have the first and the final is because quite often when He brings the first say, we interject and we go, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. And we begin to give Him our liturgy of all the reasons why that is, you know, that needs to be, that, that, you need to give that word to Marco. That's not a word for, that's a Marco. Marco could do, no, I'm just, and so we go, and then, but then you've got to get to a place where you say, I surrender all. You let Him have the final say. I've made a decision. I've made a decision in 2023. I'm going up another level. I'm setting my heart on a setting that says unoffendable. Unoffendable. Make a decision 2023, I'm not going to hold on to bitterness and resentment. I'm not going to hold on to unforgiveness. I'm not going to hold on to, to offence. Jesus says offences must come, but blessed are those who are not offended because of me. In other words, Jesus saying offences must come. In other words, even Jesus notices, he looked around, there are a whole lot of jack wagons even in Jerusalem at that day. So he says, listen, it, it's inevitable. There are people going to defraud you. They're going to slander you. They're going to betray you. They're going to let you down. You're going to, there's no shortage of people that eat paste in a classroom. There's, there's people who are going to do stupid things to you. You can't control what happens to you, but you can set your heart to control what happens in you. And I've made a decision. I'm not going to let somebody else rob me of a blessing. If there is a bl blessed are those who are not offended, I'm making a decision that I'm not going to let somebody else's doofus behavior rob me of a blessing. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, the Romans who nailed him to the cross were gambling for his clothing. They were close enough, they were in spitting distance, but he didn't spit on them. He could have called 
fire down from heaven or at least a lightning bolt, but we don't read in the scriptures and as the, as the Romans gambled for his clothing, behold, a lightning bolt pff, fell from heaven and consumed them. They were just dust. But Jesus' clothes remained perfectly intact. It doesn't say that. Jesus instead says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Jesus was unoffendable. When I, you know, I'm just finished uh, Genesis and the story of Joseph is just magnificent because he, he, he has no offense in his heart. And last week, as I was reading, they just buried Jacob. So Joseph's daddy, Jacob, passed away. God was so good to Jacob. He says, you're going to go down to Egypt. Joseph's alive and he'll close your eyes, meaning he'll be there when you die. And then they, they, they took him up to Shechem and they buried him in Shechem and they mourned for him in Shechem. And, uh, and when they came back, the brothers conspired. The brothers got together and they said, oh my gosh, the only reason Joseph, who's now number two, second in power, he's the prince of Egypt. The only reason Joseph has done us no harm is because our father was still alive. Now that our father is dead, surely Joseph will remember what we did to him and repay us in kind. So the brothers conspire together and they come to Joseph and they say, oh, oh, um, by the way, dad forgot to tell you, <laughs> he wanted us to pass it on, that um, he really wants you to not like treat us the way that we treated you. And Joseph just looked at his brothers, saw through their ruse and he said, am I, am I in the place of God? He said, what you did, you meant for evil, but you didn't send me to Egypt. God sent me ahead of you. What you did, you may have done to harm me, but God sent me ahead of you to deliver you, to save you. Do not be afraid. I will provide for you, 11 brothers, and I will. Now they sold him into a pit and sold him off to to death, he's not just looking after his own house. He's looking after their 11 houses. He's looking after their 11 wives. He said, I'm gonna look after you, your wives, your little one, all your cattle, all your livestock. In, in other words, I'm gonna take complete responsibility. You abdicated responsibility. You sold me into slavery and said to my daddy that he's dead. My daddy gave up on me, but but I want you to know that I have no bitterness or resentment or offense. See these two boys? Manashe. Manashe means the Lord has caused me to forget. Ephraim means that God has caused me to be fruitful in a foreign land. What you meant for evil, God has meant for good, but he had no bitterness in his heart. No wonder he was exalted to the right hand of Pharaoh. If you want your life to elevate, if you want your life to get better, forgive. Don't hold on to bitterness. Don't hold on to resentment. Don't hold on to offense. Don't hold, let it go, let it go, let it go. If I was honest with you, if I was really, really honest with you, the story of my life literally has been a story of allowing God to deal with my heart. The, 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 any, any level of, wow, success or the blessing of God is on you, Pastor Jurgen, isn't because 
my name is Jürgen spelt with a J or because I was born in Germany or because I speak with an Australian accent has nothing to do with all of that. I honestly believe that God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of his principles. And God loves nothing more than obedience. I remember when I got saved, when I got saved, uh, I made God my father. My goal was that when I turned 18, I was going to beat my dad up because I was so sick of him beating up my mother, beating up myself and my little brother and me not being able to, to stand up. There was no one in our house strong enough to defend my mother and defend me and my little brother. And I figured, well, I'm the eldest, I'm the firstborn. When I turn 18, I'll be strong enough and I'll do that. And, uh, and when I turned 18, instead I got saved. So I did this. I said, oh, great, I got saved. All right, God, you know what? You're gonna be my father. And as far as he's concerned, I'm just going to to basically pretend I don't have an earthly father. I'm actually, and it was a self-preservation thing because of how much my heart was damaged. I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to just disconnect from my earthly father and run to my heavenly father. That wasn't a bad thing. Can I just say this? You can go to heaven jacked up. I'm not sure if you realize that. I was born again, I was going to heaven, but I was very, very jacked up. So the Holy Spirit, fast forward, I'm in Bible college and says, you need to forgive your dad. I'm like, I haven't forgiven my dad. He goes, you need to forgive your dad. I'm like, is he asking for forgiveness? <laughs> is he deserving of forgiveness? <laughs> so I ain't forgiving my dad. Give me one reason why I need to forgive my dad. And he's like, because you're in Bible college and I'm shaping you to use you for ministry. I said, Holy Spirit, like, didn't you hear the other Bible college students? I did chapel last week, Thursday. I could have sworn you were there. Anyway, let me remind you. I did chapel and at the end of chapel, other Bible college students, this is very important, God, you may want to listen to Bible college students. They know a lot. And they said to me that I was anointed. I was anointed. That anointing came from you. Hello. And they said, man, it is obvious I am called to preach the gospel. So you need to listen to and God says, I know you're anointed. I anointed you and I called you and I gifted you. However, I cannot use you in larger influences. I said, why not? He says, because the bitterness in your heart will defile and contaminate because you preach spirit to spirit. And he says, unless you do. And so I'm telling you for the next two months, I argued with God. Finally, after two months in my, in my dorm room, I finally surrendered. I lifted my hand, said, all right, God, I'll forgive my dad. He says, too late. I said, what? He says, I'm lifting it up another level. I'm like, what do you mean? You can't lift it up another level. He says, I'm God. I can do whatever I like. Never believe that there's no mafioso in God. He says, you can't. He says, I asked you, that, that, that ship sailed, baby. Two months ago, yeah, it was just forgive. He goes, now I want you to tell him that you love him. I'm like, I can't, I can't tell. I've never heard those words. He says, you're to tell him that you love him. I'm like, and he goes, you want to, I'm like, oh, flip. I don't know what the next one's going to be. I'm like, sure, right, yeah, okay. So I had to tell my, when I said to my dad, and it was so awkward, I remember grabbing him, grabbing him, and then I had memories of all the things, and I mean, the temptation to, and I'm, and I looked him in the eye and I said, dad, I want you to know, I love you. He goes, oh, you're okay, you're okay. Thinking I was just having like an emotional breakdown. And I grabbed him in a hug and I said, Dad, so he couldn't get away. I said, Dad, I want you to know I love you. As I said those words, I'd never heard those words from him, never. 
I'd never heard those words from him because he never heard those words from his father. And all of a sudden something broke over him, something broke over me. And all of a sudden I began to see all of his transgressions. I began to see all of his dysfunctions, all of his iniquities, but I began to see them in context. Can I tell you, God doesn't see, God, God's vision, let me just say it correctly. God doesn't just see what we do. God sees the why behind the what. Go call your husband. Oh, I, I, um, I, 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 don't, I don't, I don't have a husband. Ah, oh, what you've spoken is true. You've had five husbands, and the man at home keeping your bed warm right now, he's number six, isn't he? Oh my God, I perceive. Like Jesus told her the truth, but there's no judgment. He could see what she was doing. He identified what she was doing, but Jesus sees why behind the what. All of a sudden, as I said to my dad, Dad, I love you. It was incredible. Instead of hatred, instead of bitterness and resentment, compassion began to fill my heart. Mercy and grace began to fill my heart because I saw that he didn't know any better. He didn't know how to love because he never had been loved. He didn't know how to say, I love you, because he'd never heard. How many people know you've got to have something to be able to give it? He'd never, and all of a sudden things began to change. Well, a few years ago, God said to me, you got to honor him. I'm like, I ain't honoring him. And God says, no, you got to. I'm like, oh my gosh. I said, all right then, fair enough, fair enough. Name one thing he's done that's honorable and I'll honor away. <laughs> Go ahead. And, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit, because I'm thinking I've got God, you know, in it. You know, rook to night, check. <laughs> Waiting for God to tip the king, go, you got me, checkmate. But he's like, I'm not asking you to honour him for anything that he's done. I'm asking you to honour him for who he is. And I'm, that's not fair. Why are you always right? But I'm glad he's always right. And, uh, and then I'm like, well, hang on, Holy Spirit, how, how does that even work? Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm meant to honor a guy who's never done anything honorable. You know, why? And he says, well, the fifth commandment. He says, the first commandment with a promise. He says, I need you to honor your father because if you honor him, it'll go well with you and you'll live long in the land. I'm like, how does that even work? That's just, he's like, no, 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 because when you dishonor him, you dishonor yourself. When you curse him, you curse yourself. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to sneeze just to get a blessing. <laughs> Excuse me. Thank you. That's a double blessing. I receive it today. <laughs> so God said to me, you got to, when you dishonor him, you actually bring dishonor yourself because every cell in your body carries his DNA. So when you, when you honor him, you bring honor over yourself. There are so many people who are sick in their bodies because they're constantly cursing their mother and father. You are your mother and father, your DNA. And when you curse them, you bring that curse on yourself. When you dishonor them, you bring dishonor. No wonder it's not working for you. It, it, when we start living the Bible, your life will, the Bible says the way of life winds upward for the righteous, brighter and brighter to the perfect day. Set your hearts, make a decision. You know what? This year, I'm setting my heart to honor God. I'm setting my heart to not be offended. I'm not going to live with bitterness. I'm not going to live with resentment. 
Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is the man. As a man thinks in his heart, the meditations of your heart, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Psalm 19. There's something powerful about gardening your heart. The first man was a gardener. Adam was a gardener. Not a coincidence. When Jesus rose from the dead and Mary ran to the tomb and the angel said, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? She's like, well, just tell me, you know, where have you laid him? And she turns around, she looks and she sees what she thinks is the gardener. And she says, can you tell me? Can you tell me where they took the body? Can you, can you tell me? And he goes, Mary. Rabboni. And then she grabs him and Jesus says, do not hold fast to me. I've not yet ascended my father. She thought that Jesus was a gardener. She didn't think he was a mechanic. She didn't think he was a horseshoe. She thought, or a blacksmith, she thought he was a gardener. It's interesting, the first man and the first Adam and then the last Adam both were gardeners. Many years ago in New Zealand, the Toronto blessing thing had kind of hit New Zealand and I was in a ministry service and I, fell out under the power of God, which I thought was kind of good because these meetings could go for three hours. And so you could pretend that you were really touched of the Lord and have a little nap and nobody knew any difference. I'm like, this is awesome. I just had like an hour power nap and everyone thought I was being spiritual. Now listen, here's just a little, a little tidbit from your pastor, just a little side note. If you ever fall asleep at work, fall asleep in your cubicle at work, don't be embarrassed. Don't, oh, oh, oh man, I'm sorry. Don't, no, no, don't, what, no, what are you doing? Just, amen. People are gonna be like, wow, they're spiritual. Anyway, so, um, so, anyway, so it was this Toronto thing, right? And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, I, and I literally had a vision. I had a vision and God spoke to me as clear as I'm speaking to you now. And he said, Jurgen, what's growing in your garden? Now, the truth was, Leanne was on and on and on about the fact that I needed to get rid of all these trees. Now, to Leanne, less is more. But I'm a man. To a man, more is more. I'm like, we don't have enough trees in our yard. She's like, see all this green that's growing on the side of our house? This green is moss. On the inside, we have mold. On the outside, we have moss because there's no sunlight of these trees. I'm like, I love these trees. God loves trees. He made them. And you want to cut them down because you're a merciless barbarian. And, uh, but none of that, none of that flew. So, so I'm thinking the Holy Spirit is asking me about, you know, because him and Leanne quite often, Pastor Rudy, gang up on me. If I was honest with you, I'm not trying to play the victim card here, although a little bit of sympathy is always received well, that the Holy Spirit and Leanne always seemed, when I married Leanne, I knew she was Miss Wright. I didn't just realize her first name was always. And so anyway, so, so the Holy Spirit says to me, what's growing in your garden? And, uh, and I'm thinking, you know, trees, and it's like not that garden, the garden of your heart. And then it's like he took a, a light and he shone it into my heart. And if I was honest with you, these were secret little sins that I didn't think God, I thought he was busy, you know, godding the galaxy. You know, I thought there were like bigger fish to fry if I was honest with you. I mean, China, like the Middle East conflict. Like I'm thinking, God, you know, you got, you, you got, you got bigger stuff going on than, you know, what's growing in my heart. 
all these little, you know, secret little lusts and secret little sins in there that I'm thought, <laughs> thinking that nobody could see. And the Holy Spirit showed me, he goes, Jokes, you planted them as seeds, thinking what harm could it be? Just a little itty bitty seed. And then they begin to sprout. And you're like, what harm is it? It's just a little itty bitty sprout. And then he said, Jürgen, do you really want the harvest of this? I'm like, God, they're just not hurting anybody. It's just in my private world. It's just in, in my secret world. He said, yeah. Pharaoh thought the same thing when his daughter came home going, Daddy, look. I found a little baby. Oh, can I keep him? Can I keep him? It's like, well, darling, you know, we've made a decree that all the Hebrew children are to be, oh, it's just one. It's, it's just little. He's not going to be any harm, any harm. He freaking destroyed the entire dynasty of Pharaoh. What is growing in your heart? Every seed produces a harvest. God said to me, do you want to deal with a harvest? I realize that church is essential for weeding. If you go to a church where all you ever hear is good, positive words and you never feel, like, oh man, I can't believe they even went there. You're in the wrong church. You need to be in a church that challenges you. There's some junk in the trunk. There's some seeds growing in your heart that you need to weed out. See, we think that God is the only sower, but the Bible says in the parable of the wheat and the tares that a good man sowed good seed into his field, but while men slept, an enemy came and sowed tares amongst the wheat. Can I just tell you, you may go to Cherish, you may go to Emerge, you may go to church, you may go to Rex Crane or Freedom Seminar or whatever and hear great words and receive great words, but there is a devil who will tempt you. There is a devil who will sow all kinds of bitterness and animosity and resentment and adultery and all kinds of perversions into your heart. Do you want the harvest? Church is church because every week we hear a word from God that allows us to identify the stuff that's gonna choke your life, that's going to rob your life, that's going to destroy your life. You don't want to harvest. The Bible says, he who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. We don't want you on the altar saying, Pastor, I'm so sorry. My life is a mess. I ruined my marriage. I ruined my family because I sowed iniquity. And never once in church did I hear clearly, did I feel convicted to pull that thing out. The greatest thing that can happen in church is you feel convicted for your sin, that you do a deep dive and you rip out the things that are going to cause sorrow. He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. Set your heart on things above. Somebody say amen. All right, number two. Oh, I'm doing worse than in the... Number two. Set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. You can set your mind. Now, how many people know that we can't stop birds from flying over our heads? I can't, we can't stop birds from, but we can stop them from nesting in our hair. I can't stop a bird from flying over my head, but I can stop it from landing here and deciding it's going to make a nest and lay its young. I ruined my hair now. We... How many people know we lived in New Zealand for seven years? Chris Brown does. The mighty Chris Brown. The awesome Chris Brown. 
So we lived in Aotearoa for, for seven years in New Zealand. And uh, one of the things that, that we found out about New Zealand, Pastor Stacey, is they had four million people, but 80 million sheep. Now, obviously, four million people, you're not a superpower. But if there was a war amongst sheep, New Zealand would be a superpower. <laughs> 80 million sheep. So we had a lot of farmers in our church. And I'll never forget, one of the farmers told us that every year, every year, they have to dip the sheep. They have to dip the sheep. And when they dip the sheep, it's to kill all the lice and stuff that grows in, in, their, in their wool. The wool gets really... And then they take this, this, it was like this silver kind of gun, and they shoot up into the nostrils. I said, why do they do that? And he says, because in the summer, the... The, the big blowflies land on the sheep and they crawl up their nose and they lay their larvae in the top of their nose. And if, if, you don't, if they don't take care of it, they don't kill it, the larvae hatch and the, these little things burrow up into the brain and you literally would see sheep running into trees and running into fence posts. It would drive them insane. One of the words for Satan is Beelzebub. Beelzebub is Lord of the flies. Lord of the flies because he lays his larvae in here that goes into here to torment you and drive you insane. The Bible says you can set your mind to think God's thoughts after him. To think, go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 verse eight. God speaks, Isaiah 55 verse eight. And he says, listen, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So God makes a distinction. Then he goes on about his word, not, not coming back void, but always accomplishing for that which it's sent out. Jeremiah 29.11, which we quote all the time, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, good thoughts, not evil, to give you a future. And I hope most people miss the word toward. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. So when we set our minds this year, if you make a decision, I'm gonna set my mind to think God's thoughts after Him. Because God's thoughts aren't my thoughts. And God's ways are not my ways, but I wanna walk in God's ways. The, the, the access code to God's ways is God's thoughts. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the thoughts that I think not about you. God does not limit His thoughts to just about you. God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, good thoughts, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. In this room, if we were to bring a transistor radio into this room, whether it's AM or FM, we can pick up sound waves that are invisible. They are here, but they're invisible. We can You picked a fine time to leave me. I mean, you can, whatever you, whatever you, you can, it's invisible, but the radio will pick it up. In the same way, the reason we get you to lift your hands in worship it's just like we have on the side of our house, whether it's Dish or whether it's DirecTV, they will come and they will put a satellite dish to, and they'll face it a certain way to make sure that they are picking up invisible signals that will translate into the screen hanging on your wall in your living room imagery 
pictures in the same way when you come into the house of God, we teach you to lift your hands. What we're doing is we're getting you to shift your dish. We're getting you to turn your heart towards God so that the, the, the image in your heart is one of good, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. God is constantly broadcasting 24-7, 365. He's thinking thoughts towards you. Why would He be doing that? He's hoping that just one of them will land. He's just hoping that you catch one of them, that God is for you. He's not against you, that God has great plans for you life, that you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, that this present trial, this present affliction is simply that it is present, it is temporary, but what God has for you is eternal and is greater than He's the God of the breakthrough. He, one of these names is Baal Perazim. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and sings provides. God wants you to catch His thoughts, make a decision this year. This year, I'm going to set my mind on things above, not beneath where Christ is seated. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He's seated in power. He's seated in a Authority. He's seated in dominion and He's seated victoriously. The God that you and I serve, the God that is Lord over your life is a God of power. He's a God of authority, He's a God of dominion and He's a God of victory. You are a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You are more than the match. Number three, last one, is set your eyes. In Psalm 16, verse 8, the psalmist says, I have set the Lord always before me. We set our hearts, we set our minds, but you can set your eyes. Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, fixing our eyes. Or another translation, looking under Jesus. But literally, fixing your eyes. Fixing your eyes means I'm not just setting it there, I'm nailing it there. Under Jesus, the author and the finisher. He's the author and the finisher. He's the, the script writer, he's the initiator, he's the innovator, he's the inventor, he's the creator, and he finishes what he starts. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. But put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on Jesus. We had Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday is so powerful and so important because your life will go in the direction of your, your vision. That's why Paul says, fix your eyes on Jesus, looking under Jesus. Psalm 27, 13, David is being hunted by King Saul. Not because David did anything wrong. In fact, David solved Saul's biggest crisis, Goliath. And then David would minister to Saul on the harp when a distressing spirit would rest upon him and bring him refreshing and relief. David was being hunted by 3,000 assassins that Saul had dispatched throughout the countryside to extinguish David, to take his life, not because he did anything wrong, but because it was prophesied that he would be the successor to the throne of King Saul. So Saul was trying to eliminate the competition. Many times the Bible says, had David's men not gone this way and Saul's men gone that way, they would have caught up with David. He was living with constant anxiety and stress. But in Psalm 27, 13, he writes these words. He said, and I would have lost heart. Another translation says, and I would have despaired unless I had believed. I would have lost heart unless I had believed, watch this, that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He said, I would have given up all hope. I would have despaired. I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see. You can set your eyes. 
Set your eyes this year that this year I'm gonna see the goodness of God. I'm gonna see breakthrough in my marriage. I'm gonna see restoration in my family. I'm gonna see my loved ones come back to Christ. I'm gonna see debts canceled. I'm gonna see myself taking ground. I'm gonna see myself advance in my career. I'm gonna see God moving. I'm gonna see God responding to my prayers. Begin to, David said, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the glory of God. Joseph, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. In fact, they threw him into a pit and wanted to kill him. But Reuben says, why kill him? We're Jews, we can profit. Anyway, that's a bad joke. If you pay more, you get better jokes. That's just how it, anyway. So, so, so they sell him, they sell him to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites take him down to Egypt and then they sell him a second time in Egypt. He becomes the, the chattel, he becomes the, the property of, of Potiphar. So now he's sold a second time in Egypt. So it's not just, he's, he was sold once and there's a misunderstanding, you really can't say, he's now sold a second time. In the mouth of two or three, every word is established. It's basically the devil saying, you are a slave. It's not once, it's twice. There's an agreement, there's a paper trail, you're a slave. But Joseph also had two dreams. The Bible says he dreamed a dream, told it to his brothers. They hated him, couldn't speak peaceably to him. And then it says, and then Joseph dreamed again. He dreamed again. The first dream that he had was where the sheaves of the field bowed down before him. Sheaves are in the field because men plow the soil. Men cultivate the soil. Men plant seeds in the soil. Men water the seeds in the soil. Men tend the plants that grow. But the second dream that Joseph had was of the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowing before him. Men didn't put stars into space. God put the stars into the cosmos. God was telling Joseph, son, the dream is sure. Two dreams means it's a confirmation, it's gonna happen. And the first wave of the dream will be what you think you can do with your hand. You'll be engaged, you'll be responsible. But then the dream will take on another nature where you can't with your hand, where it's only gonna be the hand of God. Joseph was rotting in a prison for a crime he did not commit, falsely accused, a Hebrew, a foreigner, the, the, the Egyptians despised the Hebrews. They wouldn't even eat with the Hebrews. And here he is in a prison. But instead of believing that his life is over, he saw the vision. He saw the promise. He saw that no matter what's going on in my circumstances, God is a God of elevation and blessing. You can set your eyes, you can set your mind, and you can set your heart. This year, make a decision. I'm setting my eyes on believing God. The greatest thing that happens in church is the Word of God will come into your heart and cause your eyes to see kingdom things. Let me finish with this scripture. Go to Genesis 13. I didn't do this in the last service. Genesis 13, verse 14 and 15. 
the Bible says, and the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him. Now what's very interesting, just a little Bible study tidbit. The name Lot means veil. Lot was Abraham's compromise. When Abraham dealt with his compromise, the veil removed. What is a veil? A veil is something that keeps you from seeing. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land on which you lie or all the land on which you see, I give to you and to your descendants forever. God comes to Abraham and He says, lift up your eyes, set your eyes, look northward, southward, eastward, westward. All the land that you see, I'm giving to you and to your descendants. In other words, what you don't see, you cannot possess. What you don't see, what you fail to see, what you cannot see, you cannot possess. But everything you do see, you can possess. When you look at 2023, do you see failure? Do you see more of the same? Do you see more crippling debt? Do you see more discipline? Do you see more struggle? Do you see divorce? You know what? Man, it's just not going. I just, all I see is us being separated. Do, do you see foreclosure? Do you see the, the repo guy coming, repossessing your cars? What, what do you see? Or do you see breakthrough? Do you see, Pastor, are you, are you just trying to get us to, to, to just kind of like imagine a better future? No, I'm trying to tell you. If you'll actually lean into this. I'm not sure what part of that scripture you didn't read. The Lord said. For the Lord to said, it means God's Word. The Lord said means God's Word. When God's Word come, it'll cause your eyes to lift above your circumstances, above your loss, above separation, above family grievances. And it'll cause you to see what God has for you. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I want you to lift your hands high to heaven. We're gonna do this. We're gonna go through all three. If you need to, well, if you need to, we all need to. We all need to set our hearts. Let the Holy Spirit right now do a deep dive. I'm gonna say it's Proverbs 20, verse 27. Proverbs 20, 27. Yep, that's it says, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord searching the inner rooms of his heart. The Bible says, and Satan having put it into Judas's heart to betray Jesus. The condition of your heart, whatever's growing in your heart will be the future of your life. That's why the Bible says above all else, guard your heart. Don't, don't let the devil have a foothold in your heart. Don't let the devil plant seed in your garden. Your heart belongs to God. When you gave your heart to God, the devil lost any right or access. Would you let somebody, would you let a neighbor come? Hey man, I'm just gonna plant these uh, pineapple trees in your yard. Hope that's okay. We'll be using your water and irrigation. And we got a whole bunch of manure. Ah, I wanna put it in your yard because I don't want it stinking up our joint. You're gonna be like, take your freaking pineapple plants, and plant them in your own, this is my yard. But why do we do that with the devil? Why does the devil have real estate territory and access in your heart? 
Father, right now, anything growing in my heart that displeases you, Lord, I weed it, I weed it, I weed it, I weed it. Father, the Bible says that we can set our minds. The Bible says we can bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Father, I know that what we think about, we bring about. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Father, I cast down fear, anxiety, hopelessness, depravity, negativity. I tear down those thoughts. And I think good thoughts. Philippians 4 verse 8 thoughts. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are good. Whatsoever things are noble. If there be anything praiseworthy, anything virtuous, meditate on these things. Father, I think on virtuous thoughts, good thoughts, noble thoughts, honouring thoughts, godly thoughts. We tear down every lie, every negativity of the devil in Jesus' name. We set our minds. Father, I want to think your thoughts after you. And the last one is your eyes. Just put your hands over your eyes. Say these words, say, Heavenly Father, this year I choose to fill my heart with your word, to fill my mind with your thoughts so that I can see all that you've got for me. Lord God, you are a promise making God. You are a promise keeping God, looking for, a promise believing people. Today I am a believer in Jesus' name. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.